0: Hi, my is Paul. Um, I go to this church and I'm filling in for Greg today. He's away. I'm on the teaching team along with Colin and Michael and a few others. And so we help uh, Greg create sermon series and concern ourselves with that process. And then every once in a while when he's away, he asks us to fill in. So that's who I am and what I'm doing here today. Uh, now, part of the reason I use the little recess bit, is uh, I'm a school teacher in Vancouver and currently I'm working at an elementary school teaching a grade five, six split class. And what really is probably the most interesting part about my job is how diverse the class is. And I don't just mean in ethnicity because I'm working in East Van, so there actually isn't a lot of diversity at my school. but the diversity of kids in um, their sense of belonging. So my job as a teacher is not just to impart curriculum and teach them social-emotional skills, but it's also to teach them how to relate to one another and to have a sense of belonging. And so I I can tell which kids don't feel like they belong to my classroom. It's pretty obvious. Uh, oftentimes they act out. They misbehave. Oftentimes they're really quiet. They sit in the back. But uh, it's usually kids on those two extremes. The ones who count themselves out completely and so try to remain anonymous or the ones who act out and try to disrupt what I'm trying to accomplish. Both, typically, are the ones who don't feel like they're actually a part of the classroom. And it's part of my job to make them feel like they belong. So I love that part about my job. It's hard and sometimes they're their own worst enemy but it's a great thing about what we do as teachers. So I want to I put that picture in your mind as we head into the scripture and I'm going to come back to that later but I want you to carry that idea forward. So if you have a Bible on a phone or an app, please open to Luke chapter 4 verse 16. Luke chapter 4 verse 16. And I'll be reading uh, the NIV version. So Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So this sermon series we're on is, is called The Story of God. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at the large story, the big picture, the context, the narrative that God has been following and unfolding and actively working in throughout all of human history. And so it started with a pair, Adam and Eve, And then it turned into one guy named Abraham, which birthed the nation. And what we've been doing along the way is we've been looking at the nation of Israel and we've been saying, hey, I'm kinda like that. We've been looking at their journey of truth, repentance, and faith, encountering God for who he is, repenting of what hurts right relationship, and then living in a new way. And so we look at the nation of Israel and we're not Israelites and we're not Jewish. Maybe some of you are. Most of us probably aren't. And so we're not actually Israelites. And so we just look at their lives as an individual, as a community, and we go, yeah, my, heart, my heart's like that. I experienced the same thing. We don't necessarily have walked the same path. We haven't struggled in the desert and found a promised land and seeing grapes the size of men's heads and all that cool stuff, right? We haven't actually done that, but we look at their trajectory and we say, that's what my heart's like. And, and for sure, there's an element of human struggle that's universal, so we might even find things we experience similar to them. But what I want to do today in the story of God is not just compare you to the story, but put you in it. Because I think sometimes what we do as Christians is we think we come to church and we follow Jesus, so we're like on the inner circle, like we're on the inside and everyone else is out. And we're always talking about people versus inside and out. And I want to remind you today that there was a time when you were outside of the inner circle. And that this actually isn't an inner circle at all. That's not what Jesus came to do. But we have a community and we feel like home together. And that's perfectly good. But uh, we were two once outsiders looking in. So I just don't want you to compare yourself today. I want to put you in the story so that you can position yourself towards God. Luke 4, 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and was custom. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. So someone opened the scroll and handed him this passage of scripture. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written, quoting Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Okay, so here's the setting. Right before this chapter, we learn about Jesus' early life. He is tempted in the desert. It's a question of his ability and his identity. And once that is over, he crosses the Jordan River and comes into his hometown of Galilee. So Jesus starts his ministry traveling the same route the Israelites did years ago. Jesus starts his ministry going through the same process of truth, repentance, and faith, just like the Israelites, just like us. This is how Jesus starts his ministry. And so once he crosses the Jordan and he starts traveling throughout the land, he uh, starts speaking in the synagogues. And people know who he is and know who his parents are. And so when he shows up to his hometown, there's a bit of a buzz. There's some hype hey, it's Jesus, Joseph's son, and he's a really good preacher, and he's, he's home now. So all the Jews want to gather in the synagogue, and they want to hear him preach and teach because local boy came home. And so everyone gathers around. Mind you, these are Jews, okay? And then these are particular Jews. So if you and I were there, we would not be welcomed. We would be outside the synagogue. As Gentiles... <coughs> As sinners, as the Jews would refer to us as, we were not God's chosen people. So we would not be able to hear this message. If you were to actually place ourselves in this moment in time, we would not be hearing these words, only because it's in scripture do we get to read them. We would have been outside the synagogue as Jesus showed up with great anticipation to do a very ordinary thing he'd done multiple times, sit in the temple, read from the scroll, give a sermon. But in this case, he reads Isaiah, and what he's saying in Isaiah is that the Lord is upon me. I am here to preach the gospel to the poor, free the captives, heal the blind, save the oppressor, and proclaim a year of freedom. And then he says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He's saying everything you waited for, Jewish people, a righteous king, uh to fulfill the law, to free you from the Romans, everything you labored for in and out of the promised land for hundreds and hundreds of years, I'm it. And some of them are really impressed. Some of them are not. Some of them are confused. But he goes, I'm it. And furthermore, he's saying, I'm proclaiming the gospel to the poor, not just to you to the poor, the people outside the synagogue, the Jews who are unworthy to enter, the Gentiles who don't even exist in your mind, and the, um, the leopards who are paying money to be healed at the temple. Like, I'm here to preach the gospel to them. I'm here to release captives free from any oppressor, not just the Romans. I'm here to heal people of their physical debilities and I am going to forgive debts. Not just your debts. I'm gonna forgive everybody's debts. So he's saying two profound things. He's saying first of all, everything you ever wanted and hoped for, you're welcome. (laughs) And he's saying, and it's not just for you, it's for everybody. That's the offensive bit because the Israelites were God's chosen people. But they'd forgotten something about being chosen. It wasn't merely that they were chosen by God, it's that they were chosen by God for something. And so in this particular passage, in the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, we have to put ourselves in the story to properly posture ourselves towards God. God made a promise to Abraham to bless the nations. And then Israel did and didn't. They weren't that faithful about it, but they also did some great things. And so God extended that promise by faith to you and me. Hear what I'm saying. We don't replace the Jewish people in God's story. We build on top of them. We work from them. We are foreigners made a family. In this story, as Gentiles, non-Jews, we're the sinner- the poor, the widow, the orphan, the international student. Like we're the outsider hoping to come on the inside. That's us in this story. And Jesus, by faith, is extending his promise to the nation of Israel, to you and I. We're not replacing the Jewish people. We're, extending, we're moving forward in faith the work of God's kingdom through his church. That changes our posture. It's easy to see ourselves as somehow better than the people we came before, but we are not replacing them. We are continuing their work in Jesus' name. And so the, um, the real thrust of Jesus' message early on is that I'm everything you wanted and I'm giving it away to the world, not just to you, in a way you couldn't possibly imagine. And that was a profound statement for Jesus to make to a small audience in his hometown. And if you and I were there, we wouldn't even be hearing what it has to say. Can you flip forward now to Luke chapter 15? Luke chapter 15. So in the book of Luke, in the first five chapters, we learn about the kickoff of Jesus' ministry. From about chapter 5 to 12 or so we'll get an account of what Jesus actually did. And then after that, we read parables, which illustrate, exemplify, and kind of refine all that his ministry work did. So again, we're going to place ourselves in the story. Luke 15 verse 1. Now the tax collectors, one group, the sinners, two, were all gathering to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law three and four, were there too. And they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one. Does he not leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So, Jesus is in the temple. He's in the synagogue, proclaiming himself as king and establishing his kingdom to a closed audience. But he's saying, the promise of Abraham was not just for you. It's for the world. Now we fast forward And Jesus is out of the synagogue, and he's on the streets. And he's preaching his kingdom message to who? The sinners, the outsiders, the Gentiles, the foreigners, you and me, non-Jews. That's us in the story. His disciples, Jews who decided to follow him and trust him. And then other Jews who were leaders and teachers that were cynical and eventually wanted to get rid of Jesus as a leader. And then there were the tax collectors Jews who worked for the Roman Empire and were kind of seen as social outcasts because they were traitors to their own people. So you have a really mixed audience. Jesus is out of the synagogue and he's on the streets and he's been living out his kingdom message and now he's saying it succinctly in parables. And what's particularly interesting about this parable is he's saying, my kingdom is about finding those who don't even know they're lost. Not just finding the lost, finding those who didn't even know they were lost. And again, this is a shocking revelation to the Jewish leaders at the time, because in their minds, according to the scripture they read, God looks for someone who's repentant. And so they've spent their whole life looking repentant, following the law, trying to earn God's love. We call this a religious spirit. And so sometimes we're guilty of having this heart, I me mean, most of all. <clears throat> so they're hearing this <clears throat> and they're going, hmm. Uh, those people over there, like those, the other, the non Jew, the ones God didn't make the promise to, what do you mean them? Like they're sick, they're unclean, they're lonely, they're really annoying. They start political riots, it's really tiresome. They grovel at our feet, hoping to be healed. Like those people? And Jesus says, yeah, those people. And so what is so utterly profound about what Jesus is trying to say to those who are listening is to say that I am about making foreigners family. I am about bringing the outside and letting them in the inner circle. The Spirit of God, which used to dwell in the temple, will now be in his people and all people, not just the Jews, not just the synagogue, but the streets. My message, my kingdom work, being a son, being a daughter of the most high God is an act of faith extended to you from Abraham to all of us who believe. And so now your heritage, your name, your background, your socioeconomic status, your education, none of those are qualifiers. The fact that you're sitting here today is not a qualifier. There's there's no inner circle here. Like this is not, we're not here to recreate the synagogue where there's like insiders and outsiders. That's not the point. I'm not accusing you of this. I'm just saying when we're family for a long time, it's easy to feel that way. We all know each other. <coughs> We do life together, we experience great uh, difficulties with one another. That's all beautiful. It's nothing wrong with that. But to you know, round, you know round the vehicles, make a home base in and out, that's total opposite of Jesus' kingdom message. That's not what the Israelites labored under for generations, was to build a wall around a people. It's not about building walls. And so you and I in this story, we might think to ourselves, and to some degree, rightly so, oh, I'm the disciple in this story because I chose to follow Jesus and I'm a disciple and I make disciples. Totally true. If you make that comparison when you read this story, you're not wrong. We are disciples by faith. We trust and follow Jesus. But if you were to put yourself in this story at this time, you would not be one of the disciples. You would be the sinner, the tax collector, the, uh, the, the person with leprosy, sitting on the ground, hearing the message of Jesus, hearing that the gospel and the kingdom and the healing power of Yahweh has left the synagogues and, and come to the street and inside your heart would fill and your eyes would, would, you know, full of tears and you would think to yourself, if only I could touch his robe, then maybe I would stop bleeding. If, if only I could lower my son through the roof and Jesus could pray for him, maybe he would be healed. If only he would proclaim me clean, would I be clean? If he knew that my brother or my son was dead and said differently, I knew they would come back to life. I know they would. That's the foreigner made family. There's no longer an inner circle when it becomes about following Jesus. It's the synagogue to the streets. We're not recreating the synagogue. So I'm not accusing you of that mentality. I'm inviting you into participating into God's story. Don't compare yourself to God's story. You're in it, real time. And I got kids in my classroom who act out and hide in the back corner because they don't know they're a part of my classroom yet. And that breaks my heart. And there's people outside of this lecture hall, in this city, and around the world, who don't even know they're lost. And I'm not criticizing them for that. I didn't know I was lost. I grew up in the church in the United States, just a whole thing going on there. And I, (laughs) it's true. And uh, people would say that My friends would say who took a similar journey that we got unsaved from our American Christianity (laughs) to get resaved. I'd like to say it a different way. I was lost in my citizenship. I was lost in my culture. I was lost in my religiousness, desperately trying to earn a father's heart because I didn't think I could earn it from my parents. I was lost to addiction. And Jesus found me. I wasn't the outsider. I wasn't the insider. I felt like it, because I did all the right things, and I went to church, and I sincerely wanted to follow Jesus. I'm not discrediting my faith. But I didn't need to get saved again or something. I needed to be found. Even as a disciple, I needed to be found and known that I was a foreigner at one time, Now, a part of God's family. There is a phrase we use. It means to be born again. That's what it means to be a Christian. I'm not talking about that. If you are not a Christian here today, if you are not a follower of Jesus, then you might feel like an outsider looking in. And if we, as individuals or a community, Ever become a barrier to that, intentionally or unintentionally, I sincerely apologize. That's not the message of Jesus. That's not kingdom work. But if you feel a barrier, maybe because of your past or your present, please know those are real things, but they are no things to God. Meaningful to Him, but not barriers. The barriers you feel are not barriers to God. They're invitations to trust and follow. Because the kingdom of God cannot be found in a synagogue. It is found in his people who take the message to the streets. And so we carry on the work by faith that Israel was doing. The truth of the matter is, is that God invested in a people to bless the nations. And then God sent his son to love and lead the world. And then his son had to live the life you and I ought to live, die the death we should have died, and then send us out to look for and find and love those who don't even know they're lost. And if if that's not good news to you, if that just sounds hard, and it is hard sometimes, and if that just sounds oppressive, and it feels oppressive sometimes, and if that feels like duty, and sometimes it is just duty, I'm not, I'm not motivated to do it, I do it because I obey Jesus, but then you've forgotten that you were once an outsider looking in. And I want to remind you today, and I'm not trying to induce guilt or shame I just wanna remind you, I wanna place you in the story to change your posture, that when you see the foreigner, the international student, the orphan, the kid in your classroom, the patient at your hospital, when you see these folks, I want you to remember that you were once lost and now you're found. And you're a part of a family that's been extended to the world by faith. And so, following Jesus and living out his kingdom means two things. One, you are a son and daughter of God, first and foremost. Your identity is not with your nation state, your identity is not with your ethnicity, it's not with your status, it's not with the house you live in, the region you occupy. It is with Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. And so when I get uh, passionate, maybe sometimes I sound angry or my face looks angry or something. I've been told that by little (laughs) 10-year-olds. And adults. Uh, Please, I don't feel upset when I remember that I'm a son of the Most High God, I feel, I feel thankful. Gratitude. And when loving and following Jesus and reaching the world feels boring and tiresome and hard, I come back and I remind myself, Luke chapter four. Oh yeah, I'm a Gentile. I was an outsider looking in and God found me and he saved me. So that's the first thing about following Jesus, is you're part of the family by faith. The second thing is we have family work to do. You are an extension of God's promise. As a church, we do the work of Jesus, not in the synagogue, but on the streets. And so you have to walk that out. You get to walk that out. You are commissioned to go and search for those who don't even know they're lost. And we meet them all the time. But if we don't go for the one, if we don't leave the 99 for the one, we run the risk of making the same mistake the Jews did. You see, they focused on the fact that they were chosen and forgot what they were chosen for. You were chosen by God, you, and you were chosen for something and for someone who doesn't know they're chosen to. Both. Living and following Jesus in his kingdom means extending that to people who don't even know it exists different countries, different neighborhoods, different schools, different workplaces. Worship team, please come up. If you're here today and you're not a part of God's family, I invite you to consider having a better ruler of your life. And Don't feel the need to examine the church or the person sitting next to you. I ask you to examine Jesus. He's the best of us. He's the best of us. If you don't love and trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, I invite you today to decide to be a part of the family and not a foreigner. And if you're sitting here today and you feel like you're on the inner circle, And those people feel a little far and a little dirty and a little homeless and their English isn't very good. If there's an other in your life, then I encourage you to remember that you were once a foreigner made family and to walk out kingdom living. We cannot separate the two. We can't afford to separate it We weren't just chosen by God, we were chosen by God for something.